my name is Christy Walsh. Welcome to my marking. We're asking, where's the talking, lads? You only get into, out the game what you put into it, Shelley. Mm-hmm. And I put everything into it I could and still do for the people and for the people that I was playing for and the people that I was manager for. I didn't cheat them out of anything. So I put all my heart and soul to the extent that my family suffered. You regret that at all? Oh, yeah, I regret, oh, I regret it very much, yeah. Somebody said the football's a matter of life and death to you. I said, listen, it's more important than that. Welcome to Man Market, the podcast that uses football as a vehicle to encourage men to become more comfortable talking about their mental health. Today, we're talking to Christian Walsh. Yeah, so I'm uh, Christian Walsh. I work for Reach PLC, which is, I suppose you, you'll probably know it best for if you read any sort of local uh, coverage or football team. So Liverpool, Everton, Manchester United, Man City. Uh, Reach PLC is usually, um, you know, responsible for that. Liverpool Echo, Manchester Evening News, Newcastle Chronicle, etc. So I work for them, uh, and I'm the head of audience engagements, which is a fancier title than uh, what my job actually is. <laughs> and, and and I suppose what, what what that is in general is I'm there to build deeper relations with um, with football fans. So um, it's creating content, video, audio, uh, written content um, around basically things that will make people keep coming back to our websites. Um, and and basically, you know, sort of coming back to us every other day. So, um, you know, it, it's about creating more diverse, um, creative, and, and interesting content. Uh, previously, before that, I was at the uh, Liverpool Echo for uh, six years, um, and I was basically a sports reporter, and then became um, the head of audience, um, sports audience there. Uh, so I basically oversaw the the sports desk from a, a digital perspective, um, which was really interesting as well. Um, so, yeah, been at Reach now since um, 2014. So, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's going pretty well, thankfully. Joining me on the show today in the virtual studio is Ryan and Ant. Ryan is sat in front of me with no beard any longer. And it's a sad sight to see for the morning. Um, Ryan, is this some sort of message to the listeners? Hopefully not. I'm hoping they don't see it, to tell you the truth. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of them shaves where you needed to shave and you just took it too far. But the good news is it should grow back. I'm hoping it grows back. Yeah, Fuck I keep hoping that as well. <laughs> I hope it grows back while we're talking. <laughs> Otherwise, how are we doing, mate? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. How, how are you? I'm okay, mate. I'm okay. Been uh, been keeping busy, but yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm all good to be TBH. I keep using TBH a lot in text. Yeah, d- just don't know what day of the week it is at all at the moment. TBH, <laughs> just all the time for the people. Um, but yes, I'm I'm fine. Thanks, mate. Uh, and you're smiling away. How are you? I'm smiling at you, sounding like a, a, a well, like a forty year old woman using a text. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly honest. what I've been yeah. sounding like. To be perfectly uh, okay. honest with you, yeah. That's kind of what I've been going for. How are we, mate? I'm all right, yeah. Not too bad. Um, yeah, busy week in work, you know, saving the country and that, as we've uh, joked about in the WhatsApp group. But yeah, no, uh, we're doing all right, yeah. I went for saving the world, mate. That was what I went for. 
Oh, I'm quite humble, aren't I? So saving the country is just. I am. Um, this is this is a di- without wanting to kind of go too serious too early. I don't know if you found this with um. So for for context for for our listeners, um, and now over the last few weeks and and a little bit further back than than me, I've only started recently. I've been uh, helping out with the the coronavirus vaccine clinics in in work, and I don't know if you found this, Ant, but I found it quite a. Uh, quite a humbling experience very yeah. very heartening and i didn't expect it to be so um as a as a kind of natural cynic of these things i wasn't expecting to you know for it to be quite as emotionally affecting as it was but certainly um certainly is has been an experience that I, you know i'll remember for a long time and i think is probably more significant the kind of the the introduction of the vaccine than than denied kind of giving it credit for if you know what I mean because I think you know the pandemic's been crap for everybody but I'd probably say to, I'm right down the bottom of the the scale of who it's really affected because I, it's not been you know it's just been a pain in the arse I can't go to the pub basically is, is about as bad as it's got for me but you know seeing some old people and people who haven't left their house for months on end you know that some some people who would come in to get their vaccine it was the first time they'd been out since yeah months and months ago so yeah. and they would people were i found people to be very um very happy to, to to be getting it very appreciative of it as well i actually there was there was a woman who said to me she said um she said oh it's, it's great this isn't it i said it is yeah to be fair it's, it's good isn't it i said i said it, it uh, you know i was just just I said, how, how, how are you feeling about it? And she said, she said, oh, it's brilliant. I've been waiting for this since, you know, since early last year. And, and uh, you know, I'll sleep well tonight. And I was just a bit like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's great. Like, they are, I mean, it's amazing how, how happy people are. And, like, I, I mean, I've been, it's probably the most amount of people I've spoken to for, for ages. I mean, mm-hmm. going from working at home and, and, and only seeing the people that you only work with and only seeing you two lovely fellas. Oh. Um, it's a... Uh, it's quite nice and you get to hear like different stories and you get a few of them come up and some of them are really funny as well. So, I mean, they are gen- generally just very grateful and it's amazing that like, you know, you hear these stories, oh, I've been inside since last March. Mm. You're like, wow. And it kind of, it kind of puts in perspective and you, and you, you're sitting there and you, you know, you, you're listening to them talk to you and you're like, this is really nice. Like mm. that you've got this opportunity and hopefully it, it carries on this way and it works and, and everyone can get back to normal, but yeah, no, it's been it's been really good and it's yeah, really enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm back again there, back again today, and uh, I'm actually I'm quite looking forward to it to be honest with you. So um, it's just yeah. that interaction with people. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, I don't think anyone I don't think anyone's really had it in the same way, and it's just nice to riff off someone. Someone says something, you can make a joke. Yeah. Like, oh, well, off the back of that, do you think? Because I've had a few people in this and work say, like, oh, I was watching telly and there was crowds and it made me feel really uncomfortable. Do you think people would jump back into wanting to be in crowds? Do you, or do you think there'll be a bit of a hesitancy? Or do you think it'll just be depending on who you are? It's, it's weird I think, to think, like, that'll happen again. Yeah, I think it'll just... It won't take long for people to just go back to... Yeah, I hope not. I hope, I hope there isn't, like, some scarring from this where it... There probably will be. I think there will be, but I, and and I think in some ways it'll it'll probably change the way that we look at how we sort of act as 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 you know with things like not just the, the coronavirus, but with you know with anything in terms of how we we sort of interact 
socially with regards to viruses and that sort of thing. Of but I, I, I suspect that, the, that it won't take much. I mean, you only have to look in the, that we had a brief period in the summer, didn't we, where it kind of looked like it was going back to normal. And mm. it, you and I, Ryan, were in the pub and it, it, you wouldn't know anything was going on at, at, at certain points of it. Yeah. We were outside and that. So I think... Um, I think it'll it won't take long for people to kind of slip back into into in air quotes normality, so to speak. But I think there will be some some level of, of scarring for certain people. But I do think, as you say there, and taking on from 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 some people who've not been in for months, it really does put it into context yeah. exactly how difficult it's been for some people. And you know, there's I think there's a the the, the there's a lot of skeptics about various different elements of, of the virus, but you talk to people whose lives have been genuinely affected from it in terms of either, you know, they've had it or relatives have had it or people that they know have died or they've basically not been able to leave the house for a whole year. And I just think it really hits home as the the, the massive impact it's had on, on people's lives. And yet it was very humbling to, to be part of that, um, to be part of that uh, rollout of the vaccine, and uh, yeah, long may it continue, and, and hopefully get things moving back to back to more normal footing. Um, I'm going to get on with with today's episode, which is on Christian Walsh. Um, as you'll, you'll you'll find out in the episode, Christian actually went to uh, Oxford University, and we we had Rick Edwards on 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 Monday, who who went to Cambridge in his in his younger years. So, my opening question for you two lads is. <coughs> If you had to choose someone from the world of football to go to either Oxford or Cambridge, who would it be and what course would they be on? And Ryan, I'm going to come to you first because you're looking pensive and I'd like to know what your your thoughts are on. Well, I've got half an answer and a full answer. So my (laughs) first sort of journey into answering this question was I really wanted it to be Patrice Everett because I don't know why, just if you see some of his interviews, I felt like there was something out there he needed to know. And it was around how to behave in front of people. <laughs> I couldn't think of what course that would be. I did find out that Yale do a course on psychology and the good life around happiness. But he seems quite a happy fella, so I didn't think mm. that was appropriate. So in the end, I just went the complete of the direction. And I'm picking Steve Bruce to do a drama degree. Because I just think it'd be so funny seeing him on stage in tights playing like Robin Hood or something or quoting Hamlet. just think it'd be a proper good laugh, so... He'd, I feel, feel like as well with Steve Bruce, he'd proper get involved with it as well. If he did shy at first, he'd go all rosy-cheeked and then by like the, the little... What's that little break you have in the middle when you're doing a, a play? Reading week at uni, you mean? Oh, in a play? Yeah. The interval. Like the, interval. the interval. That's the one, the interval. You come out after the interval, all guns blazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way that for half of the play, he's crap. <laughs> but the second like season is now. You know, it's really a player two halves. You know, first half. <laughs> no, I, mean, I was just, half. I was just dragging it out. So you do an impression. <laughs> uh, yeah, someone in the audience throwing a cabbage at him halfway through the play. Um, and Cambridge, um, Oxford. Who's there? Uh, which, which, which football person? And what course? Okay, I'm not really sure what course, but I'd love to see Tim Sherwood in there. Um, partly just because of his sheer confidence in being able to complete any course and anything in the world uh, I think we've seen him recently say you know, he's very confident uh, about Tottenham not conceding a co- from a corner yeah. which went really well so I'd love to see that 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 energy in a classroom um, I'm not really sure what course he'd go on but he's definitely in there and he's one of the lads at the back going nah, 
got this, mate. I've got this. I'm sorted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No worries. And then he gets handed like an F on his paper. And he's like, an, oh, F. an F. <laughs> Big F. Big F. Uh, Big you know, F. I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think I'm going to get this wrong. Oh, it's an F. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never I never felt this bad. No. <laughs> um, it's funny you should, uh, it's funny we should go down that accent route. Because the, uh, the two that I had, so one of them, I went for Harry Redknapp, computer science, obviously. <laughs> mm. um, and then the other one I went for was Steve McLaren and Joey Barton, modern languages. Ooh, good, um, yeah, like that. Enjoy that. Yeah. I was tempted to go Joey Barton philosophy, but um, from some of his tweets back in the day, it looks like he's probably already... Wasn't Barton actually quite good at French? Well, no, he just spoke English with a French accent, didn't he? I thought he, he used to tweet in French, but maybe he yeah, just I mean, used that, a Google Translate or something. Yeah, he used I to tweet he, a lot oh, of stuff. I, I thought he learned it, but maybe... Well. No, he did the whole, um, like, when Steve McLaren put the Dutch accent oh, on, he did that, didn't he? And then he told Zlatan that he had a big nose. That I like was, that. That's good. That, that was funny. I mean, it is. If 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 it's, you know... I mean, no, if true. you're Joey Barton and he's Zlatan Ibrahimovic... <laughs> That's, that's right, literally right. all you've got to go on. Well, use it. Use it. Get it out early doors. Use it. Set your stall. <laughs> Set your stall and get into him. Do something to rattle him because Zlatan wanders about Zlatan wanders about the pitch going, I'm Zlatan. And it's like, well, no one else can touch him. Yeah. So just see if you can disrupt that little bubble. I know. Well, he's what? He's like 40 and playing for AC Milan now. Yeah, and just he Barton, about Barton, manager of Fleetwood Town. He was. Keith Hill joked about signing Barton last week, so oh, did he? maybe appearing closer to us than we thought very soon. I hope not. I live over the road. Speeding in midfield. Did Joey Barton come play now? No, well, he's only thirty-seven. But no, oh, that's true. Not. He's that's the old Tramia, to be fair. I was going to say he'd be our youngest player, wouldn't he? Yeah, give him a YTS. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, enough of that. Let's move on to to Christian Walsh, who is. Today's interview E. First Porter call and Anton gonna to come to you. Do you wanna let the uh, the lovely listeners know what it is and what sorry, why was it that we wanted to speak to, to Christian Walsh? Um I think there was a, a couple of uh like crossovers, wasn't it? So I think you found him on Twitter and I knew of him from a colleague in work. Um and I knew of his story uh about I'm sure you're going to hear this going in the interview about going running and, and losing weight and going battling with, with depression. Um, so I knew of him that way. So it was quite a nice thing. And when we were going through it, I remember going, I think I've sponsored this guy to do running. And I went through it and I was like, oh, yeah, there, there's me comment, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what but did yeah, you write no, in the comment? Uh, I think a bit, good luck. Just a standard. Good <laughs> standard, luck, mate. Good luck. Yeah, Exclamation yeah. mark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, obviously... We looked at his, his profile as well and we, we saw he was obviously interested in football, interested in well, works in journalism and he kind of ticked the boxes that we were looking for. So we went and went and asked if he wanted to do it and we did it a little while ago now. It was a few months back. Yeah. Um, sadly, I wasn't on the on the interview, but it, it from listening to it just before, it sounded like a, a really fun interview and really, really nice guy as well, which is... Which is great. So yeah, he was lovely. He was he was yeah. really nice. It was a it was a very enjoyable evening. As so many of these interviews have been, it was a yeah, it was it was very enjoyable. Ryan, we always have a theme. Do you want yeah. to tell the listeners what this week's theme is? Yeah. So this week's theme is running, writing, and taking the weight off. Fantastic. And that's our theme. That's what that's what we've come up with. If 
you've picked up any themes or or any topics that you, you get from this interview or anything you'd you'd like discussing or want to mention to us then you can email us at manmarkingpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter at, at marking underscore man and give us your thoughts on christian's interview just before we go to the interview uh i do have one thing to mention uh wayne rooney retired he retired recently didn't he from playing to take up the full-time uh Derby job. Anyone else as sad as me? I Not mean, sad. I mean, reminiscent, so to speak. Uh, yeah, yeah. Something I was. That... I've kind of let go of Rooney when he retired from England. To be honest, he was done then. Like, I, I, no, yeah, I'm done. Say that. Say that to his goal he scored for Everton from the halfway line, and say that to that. Yeah. Well, when he chased that player back for DC United and tackled him, and then smashed the ball into the box, and they scored. Say that. Oh, yeah, that, that was pretty good as well. Watch Actually, those... he, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was absolutely ridiculous. Uh it's been a it's, it's been a nice moment, I think. Sometimes I, I think as you're right, I think there is there is a, a thing with Rooney where he's he's often been a a, t- a person of derision for someone who's who's done so much in his career. Um but I thought it worth mentioning because mm. I for one have been basically just thinking you know about him constantly for about two years. You, um, you loved him for years, Dan. Um it's weird for, for us, I think, because these are the generations of players we grew up with. Yeah. You know, like yeah, when yeah. you're young and your dad says, oh, he's a great player, him, about like some 50-year-old manager. And you're like, oh, was he? That's random. Now manager's Fenerbahce or something. But now like <laughs> Lampard and Gerrard and Rooney and that like England team of Golden Boys, like they're all managers and that now. Beckham owns a club. It's just like weird. Mm. full circle. Yeah. So, don't be sad it's over. Be happy. Or whatever the saying is, that it don't, don't be, I've just messed it up. Is it just be glad it happened? Yeah, yeah. I knew we could. Re- I was looking at Anton thinking, you know, he's he's a man who knows sayings, he just looks at he's a liar because he's a dad, he's a man who knows sayings. So I was, <laughs> but yeah. he'll have this, he'll have this under control. But I've uh, I've stepped in there at the last minute to to assuage him anyway enough of this let's get on with christian walsh's interview you are listening to man marking and we'll see you on the other side could you give us an idea as to why you agreed to do an interview for us christian i just think you know i think you know you 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 spoke to us uh, initially to you know, to sort of see about the interview, and I think that the concept of the podcast and and the you know the the sentiments behind it are, are really important. Um, you know, I, I believe mental health is is quite an important thing. Um, it's it's a very important thing, in fact. And I, I do feel like there's still that stigma. Um, there's still that sort of machismo which which surrounds the idea of well, you know, man up and 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 I'm feeling absolutely fine and. You know, I do feel like it's it it's become better, and people are more open nowadays around around mental health. Um, but I still think there's there's definitely you know something to be said for for people talking about it, and I think giving people a platform to do this not only kind of might help them, but I, you know at the same time, if anyone listens to this and and feels like they can you know recognise what what somebody's saying or if they, you know, realise that they might actually be suffering from mental health problems themselves, I think that's really important. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, a really good thing that, that you guys are doing. And, um, you know, you know, I've always said this around sort of mental health. If it, if it helps one person, then then great. Um, and, that, and that's all it's about. So, no, it's, 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 it's definitely 
something um, well worth worthwhile, lads. How would you describe your relationship with football? Uh, obsessive. <laughs> um, not not necessarily in a good way as well. To be fair, um, you know I you know I've been a football fan for as, as long as I can ever remember. You know, watched it when I was when I was as old enough to to, to kick a ball. Um, you know, it's always sort of consumed consumed my life. Um, you know, me, me me weekly habits are around it. Um, a lot of my friends are a sort of revolved around football. Um, but obviously, with it being my job as well, it's just it's a it can be a difficult balance sometimes you know sort of it's a, it's a day off or it's uh you know you're sort of you're at the matches in a, in a non-working capacity and your mind's still wearing about articles that you could be writing or you know checking up on 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 the, the guys in the office and, and making sure that they've sort of hit this angle or hit that angle um but you know it is all consuming um i try and have like breaks from it now and then but at the same time um you know i am missing it at the moment so it's I wouldn't say a love hate relationship. I've never hated football, um, but it's definitely one of those where um, you know I, I can recognise sometimes that I probably do need to take a step back. But it's easier said than done because of of, of what it is and and how ingrained it is in in our society and especially sort of within my friendship circle and and my work. But you know um, I suppose at the moment, yeah, we're we're on good terms, even even if we are sort of apart at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> just on a short break. Short yeah, break. yeah, exactly. Just waiting for them to come back. <laughs> <laughs> they always come back, mate. They always come back. Um, um, what's your earliest football memory? Ooh, earliest football memory? USA 94 is up there. Um, remember USA 94. Uh, remember goes to a couple of matches as well in the 94-95 season. Um, I remember Blackburn winning at Anfield on the last, well, sorry, winning the title at Anfield on the last day of 94 95, even though Liverpool uh, won 2 1. Um, I suppose one of my most earliest vivid memories is the uh, Coca Cola Cup final and the, and the run to the uh, to the final in 95. I remember the, the home and away against Palace in the semis, uh, and then obviously beating Bolton Wanderers in, in the final, who were a, a division. A Division One team as it was back then, um, beating them in the in the final. Um, and McManaman was was absolutely fantastic that day. So yeah, I suppose that would have made me about seven eight. Um, and I, I probably say you know from that moment on, I've, I've I've pretty much been hooked. And obviously, you were talking there about how maybe your your sort of your job has changed, your kind of relationship with football. Do you think? Would you say that you were still? as obsessive about the game or more or less obsessive since you've been working on it or is it almost one of those things where you work and your passion just become completely molded together yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one that I, I think you know your you fandom sort of when you're working it especially on say a match day um i mean I, I don't do that anymore because of my role because it's more of a sort of a managerial role like that sort of taking a more of a a top-down view of everything, uh, you know, sort of. I'm not having to work on match days. So, but when I was working on match days, it was it was very much a I'd be in the press box sometimes and, and be a bit annoyed that Liverpool scored the last-minute winner because I'd have to refile everything I'd I'd, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd written. So it was like, you know, you sort of you, you do you, you see this, and I don't mean this in a negative sense even, but you do see sort of the the machinations behind football. Um, you know the way it works behind the scenes. You know it's. 
you know, you, you know how much PR plays a part, and I suppose a bit of the magic goes. Um, you know, you become a little bit more cynical around things. Um, so, you know, you do become obsessive, but, but in a different way. You're obsessed about different parts of it. You don't necessarily obsess about what's going on on the pitch. Um, you're obsessed about sort of the intricate details of it and sort of the, you know, the politics and, and the finances and that kind of thing. Um, you know, I suppose what what I would say is that you know when I was younger um, and before I sort of started doing this full time as as a, as a job, you know, I'd watch Championship games, I'd watch uh, Bundesliga, um, you know, any Serie A I used to watch on Channel Four. I, I think nowadays, um, you know, back when before football was was stopped, um, you know, if if Burnley versus Watford was on on a Sunday, I'd, I'd struggle to turn over. Uh, to, to watch it to be honest because you just do need, need that mental break sometimes um so yeah it's, it is an obsession but it's, it's a different kind of obsession now, i suppose and we spoke obviously before we before we started recording a little bit about um your your weight loss and and the difficulties obviously of, of keeping it off you you dropped um almost 10 stone in a, in a couple of years um what kind of prompted that for you I just, I, I, I don't think there was any sort of, you know, road to Damascus moments or, a, you know, sort of Eureka moments. It was very much a, it was just a, it just sort of one day, I just, I think I just sort of woke up and just said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sort of on a good path here physically, um, you know, and maybe mentally it's, it's not helping me as well. Um, I think if there was any sort of tipping point, I think it was when I was kind of, you know, looking at you know buying jeans, and and I realised that I couldn't just go to a regular shop anymore. I'd have to sort of buy them in, um, you know, from a, from a specialist shop. Um, you know, even you know the plus size places that used to that used to be in town. Um, and I think from that moment on, I just sort of thought, well, do you know what, I, I do need to. I don't think I ever set out to to lose what I did. I think it was more just I just need to. To just get a little bit healthier, I've had so many attempts in uh, in the past where you know I've tried it, and after a week or after two weeks, I saw very little um, progress, and then you just naturally just kind of you know uh, jib it off. But this time, I suppose I, I was a little bit more determined. Um, I was a little bit more extreme, which you know isn't something I would necessarily recommend, and you know I'm sure a lot of you know. GPs and whatnot, I'd probably say what I did was was pretty uh, reckless, really. But I needed that personally just to sort of see that progress immediately. Um, and once that happened, I just sort of sustained the momentum. Um, but in terms of a moment, I suppose there wasn't one in particular. It was just kind of a, a realisation that, you know, if I carry on going on this trajectory, um, the quality of life would be, would be pretty poor. And you... you spoke about um how when you you lost the weight that it gave you almost not only improved your physical health but improved your mental health as well was was being that much overweight and having it that much of an impact having a, a significant sort of effect on your mental health oh yeah definitely it was it was a, it was a vicious cycle because you know as some of the listeners might be aware of you know you you sweat a lot when when, when you've got anxiety for example um because that's what we used to do as, as cavemen and you know in order to sort of slip away from from our predators and you know so but but because i was a bigger lad anyway 
you'd be sweating because of that and it just you'd, you'd sweat more because you were worried that people would know you were sweating and it was just this horrible cycle um so it was you know that kind of thing so from physically and and you know definitely you know you you'd, you'd panic about people judging you um mocking you you know i got i got a lot of comments on social media um which which wasn't nice because part of my role in in you know at the echo was you know that you have to be quite forward facing you have to um open yourself up there to to talk to to your audience and, and football fans and obviously if people disagreed with you or or wanted to be nasty they look for any what they consider a you know a fault um and, and for whatever reason society feels like that is a fault in people and therefore you know they they very much targeted that so it, it was definitely a a, a a thing that sort of something that i wanted to to change for that reason um and you know it, it, it's it, it's not it's not great to sort of say that you, you completely change it because in a way they win you know the the the, the online bullies if you want to call them they win the trolls but um you know what ultimately it, it was something i needed to do from a from a physical point of view and a personal point of view anyway um so you know it, it, I, I was absolutely fine with it by the end of it you know sort of uh it it was it was you know it was sort of a thumb in their eye so to speak yeah absolutely and and interestingly enough christine you're obviously very um outspoken is probably not not the right word you're very sort of open and honest about sort of the things that you've gone through in terms of your 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 journey in terms of physical and, and mental health. Given that backdrop of getting quite a bit of stick, A, because of your, your physical appearance, but B, because you are in a forward-facing role and it's kind of a byproduct of doing that. How did you, like, when you got to the point where you thought, right, I'm going to start talking openly about this, what kind of prompted that? Um, I suppose it was just a case of, you know, I, I suppose it was just, you know, I saw people, I know people were starting to notice, you know, I was really lucky that I had a lot of massive support network around me, you know, sort of in a personal level. And I suppose people have started to notice when I've been changing my Twitter profile pics and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I really wanted to, to, to sort of, I wanted to raise, you know, awareness around the, the, the places that had helped me and, and and that kind of thing. And I think one of the big things for me was that, you know, I, I was really fortunate when I was sort of going through this and when I was trying to do it that, you know, people were there to listen to me. People were sort of willing to to, to help me and um, to give me support. Um, that, you know, Mind, for example, was, was a real good resource for me to to kind of get on that road and and it was just sort of i suppose my way of of uh paying paying back i suppose um and, and my sort of way of yeah just just basically letting letting people know that if it does seem really dark then sometimes it, it can get better um you know one of, one of the big things i was always concerned about was you know i, I don't want to come across as, as saying that you know uh, being big is bad and being skinny is good because it was it was never about that but it was more this is how this is how i helped myself back then this is how i um you know helped deal with with, with with the problems that i was having um and whether it was running if it was painting 
singing, uh, writing, whichever. Um, you know, th- th- there might be something out there for you as well. Um, so that, that that's kind of why I did it. Um, and also, yeah, just just to raise awareness of, of some of the services that that did help me. It's interesting you should mention that. Really, I'm reminded of there's obviously been quite a lot of stuff on on social media recently about Adele, who's obviously she's had a big transformation in who's and waiting. There's been. I don't know, it's been quite a, an odd discourse, I think, on Twitter in terms of the way people have reacted to it. it, it there's been a, a, there's been almost two or three different camps in terms of some people have been saying, you know, just doesn't, doesn't Adele look amazing? And then other people then replying going, well, she looked amazing before, she doesn't need to be skinny to look amazing. And then other people saying, why are you having a go at somebody who's saying something nice? And then it just seems like, and I suppose that is Twitter in, in, in a sense. But, um, it's interesting you should mention that really because I think it's it, it, you, it's very difficult in 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 today's world. I think particularly with social media and stuff that positive things can often get turned into negative things. If you know what I mean, when that's not their intention. Yeah, absolutely. You see a lot of you know hashtag body positive and and things like that, um, and people take it too far in the sense of you know you must drink X amounts of shakes a day to, to get a, you know, a, 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 an iron board stomach and that kind of thing. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, the, the main thing for people is, is being, is being happy. Um, whether that it's that, whether that's if the, you know, a little heavier, a little lighter, um, whether they're short haired, long haired, um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. However you want to sort of make yourself feel good is, is the most important part. I feel, um, you know, I, I I personally wasn't happy with with how I was anymore, and you know, I didn't set out to to lose a lot of weight. It was more just a sort of, you know, again, the science behind it. You know, releasing the endorphins when you exercise and that kind of thing. It was something that you know GPs always told me when I used to go to them about about you know my mental health, and it was always something I never really sort of had the confidence to, to try out because I never wanted to to run in public, for example. Um, I didn't really feel at home at the gym, that kind of thing. So once I was finally on that treadmill, you know, no pun intended, but once I was finally sort of on that road, it was, um, you know, it, it just sort of snowballed for me in, in a positive way. But, you know, it, it might have been a case of I found that, you know, colouring in, you know, sort of, or, or writing poetry might have been the way for me to to, to, to escape and, and feel better. Um and I think, as you say, you know, the adult one is a really interesting example because, you know, I do think people should be allowed to say, yes, yeah, she looks amazing. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I think people should also have the right to say, well, you know, it's, ultimately it's whatever makes her happy. If she if she was happy with how she was, fine. If she wasn't, then she's lost the weight, fine. Um, it's it's a very simplistic way of looking at it, but people should just let people get on with with their lives and, and sort of do what they want to do um yeah. you know and sort of whatever makes them happy is, is the main thing um and you know I, I'm, I'm i'm no saint i'm you know I, I, i'm you know i wouldn't say judgmental but you can definitely judge people you judge people that you don't know you make snap decisions that kind of thing um but i think people you know the world would be a best place if we all did it a little less yeah i agree and 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 you mentioned there about about mind and by your own admission, running was a, a really important thing for you during that that period. And you did uh, a part of your first ten k. You raised quite a bit of money for mind. What kinds of what what drew you to mind and what kind of impact did they have on your on your journey, so to speak? 
I think it, I think it was basically just the, the advice. It was, you know, it was it was it was good to search engine optimization. I suppose I was like searching <laughs> questions and and kind of they were the first website that came up, and I did recognise it a little bit from from you know. Um, whether it was billboards or you know um, adverts elsewhere, maybe on the radio as well. Um, so you know they've, they've just got a really good online resource there, which sort of answers a few sorts of your darker questions. They, they um, give you advice. They, they, they talk about you know exercise and, and the benefits of that. Um, they always have a, a helpline there, um, and you know as much as what they did for me, it's it's what they clearly do for others as well you know they, 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 they certainly helped me with, with with what they sort of what they gave on on the website and and and, and sort of the support they give there but you can see that it has a profound impact on people not just with anxiety depression but with, with a whole host of um mental health uh, issues so it, you know it, it felt like a really important cause to to rally behind and raising that money i suspect that was probably quite a humbling experience as well yeah, it was. It's it's interesting really because I mean, you know, that was that was a ten k. I've done half marathons. I did the London Marathon twenty eighteen, and, and and you know, raised more money for mine um, then. But that one was the real special one because I mean, even though it was only ten k, and I put that in complete utter quotation marks from a from a personal perspective um, f- in terms of distance to what I I I, I would eventually go on to do. Um, you know that was sort of the, the first real step you know i think six months earlier i was maybe not actually maybe it was a little bit more maybe it was oh maybe 12 months actually it's probably about a year about a year before i was you know as i say 22 stone I, I couldn't really walk upstairs without getting breathless so you know the the outpouring of support and and um, the generosity of people um for somebody who you know a lot of people didn't necessarily know and um, they might have followed me on twitter or whatnot but but, but didn't know me personally and the fact that i was doing a, a, a 10k um which you know is still a massive achievement and uh, but it's something that you know i i, I do 10k sort of with my eyes closed now it was just one of those things where i feel like it, it was such a it, it was such a an outpouring of uh of support that you know it, it was really really humbling um and you know i think back to that and you know over two grand and you know i i didn't i didn't really contribute to that okay i did the 10k obviously but it was the it was the support and the generosity of other people that did that um so yeah you know it was it was a massive thing for me um you know i'd I'd never done a race in my life um and to do 10k uh was, was was incredible at the time as i say i've sort of moved on and done further distances now but i think that's probably the one i'm I'm most proud of because it was it was the first one where I sort of said no I'll, I'll I'll do this and I'll do it for a for a charity that's close to my heart. I think that's a really important message, Christian, because I think the biggest thing I suspect that probably came out of that for you would have been, you know, you've set yourself a target to do something, which is obviously being able to run the the 10k and then to be able to raise the money on the back of it and and achieve all of those things that you'd you know at least in some respect had set out to do. I suspect for your self esteem that must have been. That must have been really good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was incredible. It was. Um, it just. It just sort of. It was. It. It showed that if I. If I sort of. I, I knuckled down. Sort of put my mind to something. I could. 
I could really do it. Um, and, I, and I did. I felt really good. And it is interesting looking back because, I mean, last year I did the, the Whittle half. So the way that the, the 10K worked, it was the Whittle 10K. And the way it works is that, you know, you'd either do the 10K or the half. Um, and, you know, obviously I've sort of, if you will, graduated to doing a half marathon. But, you know, every time I do that Whittle half marathon now, I sort of I think back to that first 10K because it's just like... Um, I don't think there'll ever be a, a bigger achievement because it was just I started from from a very very low base um, and, and and did it with sort of the, the, the a, a real support and um, generosity from people. Um, you know when when I when I run now I, I say now I mean lockdown sort of taking a grip off me a little <laughs> bit. But, um, you know when, when I used to sort of run you know regularly and you know do races um, properly. You know, um, it, it, I'd be doing that sort of for myself, which which is absolutely fine. You know, it's sort of there's there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that competitive element of, of trying to you know get a personal best or whatever. But it felt like that first 10k that I did was very much a you know sort of a, a collective effort, and and that's why it sticks with me. To be fair, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I one of the things that we've spoken about on here, which has come up a few times, um, is about helping others as a way of helping yourself almost um i did uh i did an event in november last year a, a strictly come dancing event for um widow arc and it was you got paired with a, a professional dancing and then you had to learn a routine and then do it in like a full strictly thing with judges and about 500 people in the audience and i was absolutely shitting it for like the whole <laughs> it got to the point where like I'd be doing the dishes or making dinner or doing something. I'd just be going through my steps constantly around the kitchen, around whatever room I was in. I just couldn't stand still without doing it because I was just obsessed with getting it right. And But when it got to the evening and, like, it got to that point where you stood on the start, side of the stage and there's, like, a spotlight on you and there's, like, the presenter and there's all... And, like, like my mum and my dad and all my family and that are there and then we had two tables from work. So there was, like, 30 people that had come down. And like there's like 500 people in the audience and like professional judges two of them had been on strictly as well and i was like oh, what the fuck have I started? <laughs> you know those things where you're just like this was definitely a good idea when i signed up for it nine months ago <laughs> oh, this is proper see, stupid but, see i couldn't do that i, I couldn't do that I, I you know what i mean like i, I genuinely I, I couldn't do that and i suppose that that, that points to sort of what i was saying before in terms of everyone's got their own sort of thing yeah that idea for me I, I'd, I'd rather do i'd rather do 20 10ks than you know sort of be, be, being in the crowd and then having a spotlight on me and doing that I've, I've 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 sort of you know i've had that sort of like shown to me before the strictly and i thought you know what should i and i just think as you know as you i'd be standing on the sides of that stage seeing the spotlight and absolutely <laughs> crapping myself i don't feel who would do it i must admit so fair play to you, you know <laughs> how did you do I, by the way well do you know what right and 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 She's not on it. But there's a, a a woman called Katie who, who does the podcast with us sometimes, and she um, she was in it as well. It's where I met her. Was 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 doing this strictly, and I was. We were up number number six. We were the six of ten, and the the five that had gone before us had done all right, and like you know some decent scores. And when I've been, it was all out of, all out of forty. And me and me and the, um, the 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 woman that I was dancing with, we we come up. We're on the we're on the uh, we're on the stage, and we had like a move at the beginning where. We started apart, and I had to kind of spin her onto me back, and then and then we went from there. I'm, I, I swear we'd only got it right like twice in like the previous six weeks. I kept like dropping her or missing her or 
not do spinning her properly. And, and she was like, if we fuck this up, the whole thing won't work. And I was like, all right, cheers, thanks for that. I'm going to mess it up in the first five seconds. But yeah, sure. And uh, we absolutely smashed it, like the, the first move. And you know, when you think, right, I can do this now, it'll be fine. And we got, I think we got 36 out of 40. And that put us in the lead. And I was like, fuck, we might actually win this. There's only like three or four other people after us. Next person went up, which was one of my mum's friends, actually, who I didn't know was doing it until I met her on the night. And uh, and she got 39 and blew us out the water. I was fucking... <laughs> but I just went straight to the bar and got a double rum and coke. And I thought, well, we're not winning, are we? Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, don't have to get the glitter ball. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, you spoke there about your uh, before about your, your support network. In terms of people that you would lean on during that time when it got difficult, who who would you kind of look back on and say, you know, it was them that I kind of went to for support or it was them that I felt comfortable opening up to? So my partner was, you know, an absolute rock for me. Um, me, friends and family um, and me colleagues, you know, I, I suppose that's a similar answer for for a lot of people um but but it, it is that sort of that, that close network um obviously you know people at mind and, and whatnot in terms of the, the the websites but in terms of actual people um you know it was the people it was the people who sort of you know had to deal with me on a on a daily basis um because i i you know if, if i was having a bad day they, they're the ones who would sort of um suffer's not the right way but they're the ones you'd have to um you know sort of react to that and, and manage that and, and sort of, you know, sometimes obviously I, I wouldn't be the uh, the best person to be around um, because I, I, I'd sort of sometimes get angry and, you know, I, I say sometimes I used to, you know, I still can, you know, I think that's something I, I, I do want to get across is that, you know, just because of, of what's happened then doesn't mean it still doesn't happen uh, now uh, to a degree, but, you know, they very much... Um, you know, sort of looked after me and and sort of rallied around me and and um, you know, kind of give me the, the the emotional and moral support that I needed. You wrote in two thousand seventeen, Christian, about um, society almost harboring the suspicion towards mental health and with depression, it might just be a case of needing to man up or roll your sleeves up and get on with it. Do you think, and I know it's only been a, a short space of time since you wrote that article, do you think we're heading in the right direction and that perception is changing at all? I do I do think we are. I, you know, I think it feels like every every other week now, you know, somebody prominent or somebody, even somebody I saw to just follow on Twitter or, or to see a retweet or something like that, where it does feel like there are people who are opening up a little bit more, talking about the, you know, their emotions and talking about the the mental health problems. I think you look at things like the initiative with DFL and Minds, you know, that that that's a huge thing. Um in terms of the, the squad numbers and, and the sponsorship they have there. I think obviously what Prince William's doing with the Heads Up campaign, you know, that these are all mainstream um these are all mainstream initiatives, mainstream charities now, which which you know sort of help people. Um, you know, I feel like you'd have ex pundits and ex players being a little bit more open. Um, you'd have current players talking about it. So, in a, you know, in a football and sporting perspective, I think that's you know it, it feels like people are starting to to change their attitudes towards it a little bit. I do still think it it it, it exists. I do think there is a there is still a, a lingering sense of, you know, if you're feeling 
down and 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 sort of depressed or or you know so so however you want to put it whether it's a an actual clinical um definition or if it's just as i say feeling a little bit down i think people just sort of expect you to shrug it off and and feel okay you know sort of you know it, it, it it's like you know oh just just get over it and, and that kind of thing i still think that is an element of that um but i do feel like now a lot of people talk um a lot more than they used to and you know there's still a lot of work that can be done um, and that, you know that's evidenced by you know the the, the the suicide rates, which are which are still which are still prevalent in our society. But at the same time, it does feel like that the, there is more of an openness now to people sharing how they feel, and um, you know the importance of 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 getting the help that they need. Yeah, definitely. We we've had quite a few former footballers on on the podcast, and they always talk about the difference in a dressing room in the nineties compared to a dressing room now. In in terms of journalism, have you seen the, your workplace environment change over the years since you've been doing the job? It's interesting. I I always got. I mean, this was in twenty sixteen, so I always. I, I, I suppose I would say I'm, I'm more of a, a, a modern journalist, if you will. I certainly have sort of come through in, a, in modern newsrooms. Um, so I couldn't really speak about what it used to be like, you know, in the in the old days of printing presses and 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 you know that kind of thing. But I do think you know from a from a reach at a PLC perspective. Um, you know, there are mental health first aiders now. Um, there are, you know, events put on regularly where people can sort of go into the kitchen and, and, and have a brew and talk about things. Um, you know, there, there is a lot more, even in this, you know, this current uh, environment where everybody's home working. Um, and, you know, it can be quite, uh, it can be quite difficult for people. Um, you know, there has been a bit of a, a real push towards making sure people are still communicating and and you know from my my perspective i sort of speak to um you know my, my team and i make sure they're feeling okay um you know physically mentally you know because obviously it's a really difficult and, and strange time for everybody so you know i do feel like over the past four years it was it was it was fine back then i got a lot of support um from from work but i do feel like now there is a you know, I feel like there's there's more um, understanding around it. Um, you know, I feel like you, when professional football start coming out and talking about it, um, you know, the journalists themselves will then sort of, you know, resonate with that. And, um, you know, you see even, you know, some elder journalists, I suppose you necessarily wouldn't think they were in tune with their, with their sort of, in tune with that kind of thing, I suppose you, you think they'd be more of the um, the school of oh, you know, mad up and shake it off. You know, they're actually they actually turn out to be quite understanding as well. Um, you know, when I when I spoke about my uh, my mental health, when I opened up about it, I got a lot of sorts of messages from from journalists, not just from from the Echo but elsewhere, and it was it was really massively appreciated. And you know, some of them still message me nowadays and, and check i'm okay so you know it's it's definitely something that's on a on a good trajectory yeah that, that seems to be quite a common theme that when people do open up they're actually taken aback by how positive the reaction is 
when often what they're most concerned about is coming forward and speaking. Um, it's the most nerve-wracking thing they can do. And we like to think that most people are generally good people and will take an interest in, in you and, and your welfare. You touched on earlier about how important like, running has become to you. And I think Tyson Fury, who's been obviously in the sport and world, a massive pioneer of, of helping speak out against ill mental health. And I was listening to him recently. He says if he's three or four days out of the gym, he'll fall back into that pit almost. Do you have any other coping mechanisms? Because obviously you've got quite a stressful, busy schedule and quite a lot of responsibility at Reach PLC. Is there anything else you do to sort of keep on top of it? Um, to be honest, no. <laughs> and that's that's something that I do kind of, I need to, to work on. Um, because part of who I am and what I do, I am very much an all or nothing person. Um, and, you know, if I don't get out for a run for a week, for example, you know, I, I will kind of deteriorate mentally. Um, and I do need to try and find those other mechanisms, um, which is, you know, the, the, there are things that I could do. I could, you know, play Xbox going, well, so before this, go and go to the cinema, you know, that kind of thing, go for a nice meal. Um, they, they they help anyway, of course, but it, it's, I suppose, more from a personal, if I'm on my own sort of point of view. Um, you know, I, I do probably, or did rely on running too much. Um, you know, I, I sort of, I went for a good three months without going for, for a run, really, um, without exercise, and, and it did have a, a negative impact on, on my mental health, not just my, my physical health, but my mental health as well. So it's definitely something that I need to work on. Um, it's just it's just about finding, especially in this time as well. It's about finding those hobbies. It's about finding those things to, to keep you busy and, and and deal with things. But um, no, you know, it, it, it's 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 something that I, I want to do more of um, because sometimes you just can't get out for a run. Sometimes you're injured. Sometimes um, you know you do get those days when you when it is difficult um, to get out. So. Um, yeah, you know, coping mechanisms is an interesting one, and and it's something that you know, I, I need to I need to find. Um, maybe I'll sort of. I've I've recently just uh, downloaded FIFA, but I'm absolutely terrible at it. So maybe I need to find something else. <laughs> I must admit, like I, I'm a really restless person. I always have been. I'd love people to say to me, "You're a brilliant footballer," but most people would say to me, "Oh, you could run all day, you." And I think. <laughs> I'd rather you tell me I was technically brilliant, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I don't know if you ever get this, but if I'm in the house for two, three days, but like you've mentioned, I feel like I just need to get out. Like you just go a little bit snappy with people. Or I, my, my job is computer-based, so I'm like you. I don't play too much Xbox or anything like that because I don't really mm -hmm. want to go from one screen to the other. So I do need that exercise to feel good. Um Another aspect of this is obviously you've achieved quite a lot at a young age. And how have you found your mental health change as the pressure's grown? Are you somebody who like thrives under the pressure, or has it become more difficult as that pressure's grew? It's a it's a good question. Um, I, I suppose it's a it's a weird one because as you get more responsibility and and obviously more pressure around things. I think what I've found, and you know, it's something that again I do need to work on, is um, you know you 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 sort of store it away. So 
you, you focus on, on on the work at hand as the task in hand, and then you sort of let the stress bubble and bubble and bubble. And it's just, I suppose, it's a bit like a kettle. Um, and eventually it might overflow because it bubbles too much, you know, like a boiling pan maybe. Um, and that's sort of the, it, it, I think that's one of the things that I need to, to learn is to kind of, you know, deal with the stresses as they're happening rather than saying, well, I can't be stressed now because I've got too much work, but then the stress builds up and eventually you just kind of explode. I think that's that's something. I think it's natural for people to, um, you know, as as sort of your, your job gets a bit um, harder and, and, you know, you take on more responsibility, I think it's natural that you, you will get more stress along with it. I don't think that would be, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, that's just part and parcel of it. Um but I think what 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 I've got to do, um, and what I am learning, because you know I've sort of been in this kind of role now for nearly eighteen months, I think what I've sort of got to learn is is how to manage that on a day to day basis, rather than put it in a box and then let it sort of rattle around for a bit and then you know let it explode um, in yeah. in the glorious fashion once every say like month or whatever. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it's a good pressure sometimes. You know, I really do enjoy what I do. Um, I think you know it, it's it's good to wake up every morning and feel like there's the you know there's there's something that you can be doing here which will which will really um, you know entertain somebody or you know tell them something that they didn't know or you know basically because I'm a football fan you know it, it just you know help them give somebody something a football fan like me something that they'll enjoy um, so there is that pressure but. It, it is a good pressure, but it's it's just about managing that pressure and, and making sure that you know I'm sort of dealing with it in in segments rather than letting it all build up. Yeah, and and one of the best ways I suppose to do that that we hear is is having routine. But does your job allow for routine? Is it very much? Are you constantly reactive? And is it different times of the day that you've got to be sort of alert to things and what's going on maybe with Liverpool? Or can you literally switch off after or then do a nine to five? No, nine to five doesn't exist in, in journalism yeah. anyway at the best of yeah. times. Um well yeah, I remember I remember when Liverpool played in the Champions League final in twenty eighteen. So I was in the edit, like an editorial role then in a like sort of management role. So I, I didn't go over to Kiev. Um we, we we were back at base, sort of making sure everything was going well. And it was just like so. What was it? It's funny enough. It was coming up to two years. Um, two years, and the day before was a sixteen-hour day. The day of the game was a, an eighteen-hour day. Um, and the problem then is that you, you've got two. You've got the day after the final. You don't know if you're going to be covering a parade. You don't know if you're going to be covering. You know, if you're going to be basically, if it's going to be a quieter day. You know what happens if they win or what happens if they lose well obviously they lost unfortunately against real but there was so much to be done because of what carius did you know with the, with the mistakes that he made that day three becomes another 18 hour day so you're looking at you know i think i was living off those three days i think i must have been living off about four hours sleep every night um and then the day after you know it finally finally like it feels like right okay we've got through this three day block um, you know, I sort of I logged off at like half seven, um, sat down, sort of started watching something on TV. You know, finally I had like a, my first proper meal in like seventy-two hours, 
and I got a phone call off um, Ian Doyle, who was uh, one of the Liverpool reporters, and he just said, uh, Liverpool is signing Fabinho and it's getting announced in an hour. And I was just like, oh my God. I was like, <laughs> like, I was literally about to have the best sleep of my life and I'll be just decided to, to actually, you know, sign somebody. So there was there was another day that was absolutely ruined. But that just gives you an idea. I mean, that's an extreme example, but that just gives you an idea of the, of the kind of, you know, the, how you are just bound by what happens. Um, nowadays, because there's so many new things that we're trying and so many different things that we're trying, I think you know routine is is really hard to come by. So you know, one minute I'll be kind of speaking to to the guys who look after the the Blood Red podcast, um, which is obviously podcast videos and, and that kind of thing. The next I'll be talking to people who uh, work for Liverpool.com, which is sort of like the the US style uh, website that we run. Um, and then later on, I'll be having discussions with this uh, company in Canada about a, a new console that we're releasing so it's just kind of like it, it's it, it, it's just you no two days are ever the same because you've always got like it's a bit like whack-a-mole if you think you've got on you're on top of anything everything suddenly something else pops up and you've got you've got to sort of bop it on the head so um yeah you know r- r- routine is important but it, it's it is really hard to come by in, in journalism in general um because you know no two it is a cliche but no two days are ever the same yeah, and that that's almost like a, a moral dilemma whereby if you were to go to doctors and you were ever feeling down, the doctor would probably say, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating well? Are you coping with yeah. your stress? Do you have routine? But on the other hand, it's probably a bit of a dream job for you, isn't it? And I suppose it's similar to people who maybe work nights in a hospital where it's meant to take years off your life. But that might be the job you want to do. Do you almost have to sacrifice a little bit of, sort of I don't want to say your own health because I think that's a bit dramatic, but elements of, of your own health to, to have be in that position that you love. Yeah, you know, I, I you know, God, I don't want to come across as, as as I'm sort of saying, um, you know, I, I don't want to woe is me, you know what I mean? And I make it sound like I'm I'm forced to do this. I, I do I do what I do because I do, you know, really enjoy it. I, you know, most days I, I do love it. Um and it is something that I've always, always wanted to do. Um but there is that element of yeah, you know, there is that there is that sacrifice of you know, sometimes you mightn't get out for for a run because, you know, you've you've had to do this. Sometimes you you, you mightn't be able to see your mum, sometimes you might be able to go to the um, with your missus, sometimes you mightn't be able to to go out for that nice meal because it it's just something that you've 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 got to sort of contend with. Um, you know, if 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 I was sort of I, I you know today's a bank holiday Monday for example, um, but I'm still I'm still working I'm still I'm still cracking on, um, and I might sort of eight o'clock tonight I might be sort of sitting sitting here and and, and sort of about to watch a bit of telly. You know, put on Netflix or go for a run. But then, if you know Virgil Van Dijk sustained a season-ending injury, that that had all have to be cancelled, and and it is hard to to keep on top of that. Sometimes it's um, you know it, it it is a difficult balance to strike. I suppose the main thing and something again that I, I I've got to learn, and and it can be done because I do I do think you know other people do it. It's it's because as I said before, I am very much an all or nothing person in terms of personality. But I I do think that. The the, the 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 main thing is that when you're not working, you're not working, um, and you know social media is not a is not a help for that because obviously 
you know, you're sitting on the couch and you're off work, but all of a sudden you're on Twitter just scrolling through, but my timeline's full of football. Um, so it's just that sort of forever there, to be honest, and, and, and you know, a constant in your life. Um, so it is a sacrifice and, you know, it can sometimes be a, a detriment um, to you, but at the same time, it's it's kind of what I signed up for, um, which doesn't make it okay, but I suppose, you know, it makes it understandable to a, to a degree. Yeah, I can't speak on behalf of Danny, but I feel bad for taking up some of your time because it seems absolutely <laughs> hectic. Uh, no, 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 absolutely not. No, I I'm don't enjoying. know how you get it, get it past the, uh, your missus though, because if I had your job, my missus would be going absolutely <laughs> nothing. <at> me, <laughs> bad enough with this podcast and doing my day job, but um, just jumping uh, back then, to, you went to Oxford, didn't you? And did English language and lit. Yeah, 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 that's right. And then you did a masters in journalism. Um, how hard of an industry is journalism to get into? I know Dan, who's on the call with us and Ant, both had a crack at it. Now the satire with me, who didn't even go to uni, I was probably running around in a field somewhere aimlessly. Um, how hard is it? Have you got to do a lot of the jobs no one wants to do in the first few years? And do you have to be a tough character mentally to do that? Yeah, and it's it's. I think nowadays it's it's, it's as hard as it ever has been. Um, I think. I mean, God, I could be here for, for hours talking about sort of the future sports journalism, but obviously we, we know about the, the challenges it faces at the moment. And, and part of my role at the moment is, is trying to adapt to those challenges and, and, and bring in things which which hopefully will, will, will help sports journalism at a local level survive and sustain for, for a long time. But yeah, it's, it, it's, a, difficult, it's a difficult industry. It's, it's about hard work. It's about, you know, graft. It's about talent. It's also, you know, partly about luck. I I got lucky. Um, you know, I went to I went to uh, I did my masters with some very 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 talented people, um, who just didn't necessarily get the break. Um, you know, I I got I got really lucky in the sense of, um, you know, I I applied for a like an internship, um, a paid one at the Telegraph, which is you know, unheard of in general anyway, but it was because it was the World Cup in 2010. I'd just finished my Masters and it was 2010. So, you know, there's a bit of fortune in the first place that the second you come out of, of you know, university, um, you know, it's a major tournament where, you know, the Telegraph at the time were looking to increase their digital operation and they needed four, you know, four or five people who could kind of be trained up on a system and, and, and write copy quickly and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I applied for that, got it, moved down to London for a bit. And from there, sort of, once you've got something like that on your CV, you know, doors open a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I, I did work experience at the BBC at the, at the Times. I mean, when I was at Oxford, I used to get the, the bus to, to London. Um, and that was like an hour 45, two hour bus there in the morning, two hours back. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make myself out like Oliver Twist or anything, but it was one of those <laughs> things where, you know, you do have to sort of, you do have to graft, you do have to work hard. I think nowadays as well, you, you kind of have to have a bit of a niche. Um, you know, I, I'm 33 now um, and I don't have a clue if I was 20, 21, I don't have a clue how I would break into the industry because I think, and I, you know, this will sound negative and it's not, but because of the digital age, I think there's so many you know, people who are learning the same types of things in in their undergraduate degrees and their postgraduate degrees, I think that you've got to try and find a, a little bit of a niche. Um, you've got to find something that makes you stand out from the crowd. Um, 
because nowadays, you know, journalism, certainly sports journalism, isn't about the door-to-door knocking or the, you know, the reporting on the the, the, the local football, although that's brilliant and, and people still should still do that, most definitely. It's about bringing something to the table that, that other people aren't. And, you know, when there's so many people who want to get into this industry, that that's a really, really difficult thing to do. Um, so, yeah, you know... I, I was I was lucky um, as much as anything to, to sort of get get me break at the Telegraph, and then from there it just sort of becomes you know well that's on your CV so you get a door open here or there or or wherever, um, but you know it is it's 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 one of the hardest um, places to to get into definitely industry wise. I know you've touched on there um, look and. You're very clearly, Christian, very bright, and it's not often you meet people from Merseyside as someone who's grown up in Birkenhead and and, know, and worked in Liverpool for many years as well. You don't meet many people from the area who went to Oxford. Um, that must have been quite an achievement. Like your family must have been proud, and must something you must have been very proud of yourself. Um, was that something you always aimed? to try and do and achieve how did that come about was you quite surprised when you ended up getting accepted or is that always yeah. a sort of on your pathway yeah like this this will sound like a lie and i swear it's not um the first time i thought about going to Oxford was 24 hours before the application was meant to be in um wow. which which is mad um so i was in me so i went to again this 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 will sound like a ridiculous story but it's true i went to broughton hall high school um for sixth form which is actually an all-girls catholic school um i was one of three boys who attended there so they basically did the allow boys in there i think it's changed now um because they've also got a link up with cardinal healing which is uh gerard's old school but oh, um, yeah, i remember getting battered by them in a football game once for college. yeah, yeah they're they're always, always good at football. <laughs> yeah that was the theme i was telling you about the other day right i don't know i can't remember who we were talking to i was talking about it when we played for Emily, beat us in a cup final, and it was absolutely horrible. Just, <laughs> all these proper moody scouts lads who were just possible. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was sort of so basically kind of leaning to that side, and then there was a cinder path, and it was known as the cinder path, and then the all girls school was there. So it's one of those we'd all like, um, we'd all get off the, the 10 a the, the, the bus, um, from Kensington into like Nossie Ash. And then, like, all the lads would obviously go to the right, and then I'd sort of just walk to the walk to the left um, and go into the old girls' school. But um, I did that because they I, basically... I must have had its positives. <laughs> no no comments. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, you know, the, I, I did that because they, they had the, the, the right sort of uh, six form options for me, A level options. But, um, when I was there, so you know, my English teacher, um, Mrs. O'Driscoll, she sort of said to me, you know, where do you want to apply for? You know, you're actually sort of on here for like three A's or two A's and a B. And so, so, so I always had, I just wanted to do journalism at like JMU or Liverpool, which, well, English at Liverpool, which would have been absolutely great. You know, I, I would have had no problem doing that. And she just said to me, have you ever thought about Oxford? And I was like, nah, I don't really want to move away from home, to be honest. You know, I was going to match, I had my mates here. I, you know, so, so I was I was really close to my family, um, and I didn't really want to change that. Um, and she was like, "Oh, go on, she, she was just just put just put 
you know, sort of have a little think about it. And I said, all right. So I came back the next day. I went, yes, yeah, Sam, what do I need to do? And she was like, here, mess. And I was like, no. And she was like, well, the, the, the form's got to be in tomorrow. I was like, oh, my God. So we got, like, aim higher or whoever it was back then. I don't know what they, they were called back then, but it might have been aim higher. So, so somebody who, who went to Oxford, who went to, to – and he was like – I didn't even know it was a collegiate system. I just thought it was a university. Um, so, yeah, in the space of 24 hours, I had to sort of craft this this thing and, and then sent it away. So it was never – you know, journalism was always something I wanted to do. And, you know, I was writing mass reports when I was, you know, 9, 10, 11 – um but in terms of actually like you know studying english at oxford it was it was it was a 24-hour decision and and even then to be honest you know I, I didn't really know if i wanted to go and it's when i suppose it's funnily enough i i got i needed three a's to get in i got an aab um i was two marks off a, an a in business studies um and i was gutted and i was like ah, like i really actually would have liked to have gone now um but you know never mind liverpool's great i'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with liverpool and then me school sent off for it to be remarked because they've said well it's two marks we might as well see and i came back and it was actually like seven marks better off so i got me three a's got yeah. into and then it, you know what i always think because it was seven marks off i always think if it was six marks off i wouldn't have got a, re a remark i would have just said oh well you know that it is what it is um <laughs> so i must be one of the only people who's got a rejection letter and an acceptance letter from them um but yeah, so it was one of those things where I, I, I basically, at that point, I sort of realised, well, I was so gutted when I didn't get in, I've got to go now, like, and I can't turn it down, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so I just, I, I just took the plunge, and I know it sounds mad of someone potentially turning it down, but I, I was scared a little bit, because obviously, you know, you, you've got this idea in your head of, of what it's like, Um but it, but it wasn't, you know, there, there, were little, there, were, there were little bits where it was like that, but because it was a collegiate university it, it meant very much of like you know which college you chose was would be an important you know an important decision and 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 thankfully um you know i chose somerville which uh funny enough is, is fatch's old college which you wouldn't think would would, would really fit in with, with my <laughs> politics but um but at the, um you know it was actually quite a, a liberal kind of one of the more you know sort of working class colleges if you will so you know my, my experience there was was very very normal i suppose as normal as it can be how do you manage your actions on social media and getting into those debates because there's so many people who have like hide behind a stupid username and no photo and they'll just say horrendous things and we try and avoid them the best we can or block them but you, you can't ignore them you'll see them um have you felt a change in how you use social media as your as people become more aware of you and as as your followers grow? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 far more. I think I'm far more professional on there now than I used to be, um, and I think I have to be. You know, I am sort of a a face for the a face for the company, not in the in the sense of a face, you know, as a celebrity. But I, I just mean kind of if I was to say something really outrageous, you know, it could impact upon Reach PLC. Um, so that's something that, that I am very mindful of. I think, you know, moving into this role, it, it's given me the opportunity to take a bit of a step back because I think I always had to play it down the line when I was at the Echo because, um, you know, I was covering Liverpool and Everton um, and I never really wanted to sort of make it abundantly clear that I was a, a Liverpool fan. Um, 
you know, so, so I never did that in my writing, but at the same time, I'd never say Liverpool was us or we or anything like that in any of me, me tweets. Um, and I try and be as sort of as, as, as down the middle as possible. I think now, I think I can sort of be a little bit looser because, you know, I, I won't be reporting on Everton anytime soon. Um, you know, I, although I sort of, I'll, I'll sort of be helping the strategy around Everton and Man United and Man City, ultimately, there's nothing wrong with me just sort of being honest and saying, well, you know, for example, today, talking about Istanbul and my memories of it, you know, sort of as a fan, that's absolutely fine. I think that's sort of a change in it recently. Um, but apart from apart from that, I, I think uh, what I used to do is, I think I used to argue too much um, with, with people. I think I would take things to heart too much. And, and that's because of the volume of it. I think... When you've got all this volume of negativity, I think, you know, you never sort of, you, basically, I, I think what I'm trying to say is you, you put out a link to a tweet, um, to one of your stories, and, and you'll get eight people who say that's really good, that, and you'll get one person or two people who say, what a load of shite, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. And my instinct is to reply to the two people who are calling it out on it, rather than saying to the other people who are being nice, thanks for that. You know, that that's, you know, sort of, that's a really nice thing to say. Um what I try and do now is is take the positive take the positive feedback, you know, sort of give a like or say, you know, thanks very much for that, you know, engage in conversation. And to be honest, what I am starting to to do a lot more is use that block button. I think there's so much at the moment around not just football but politics and, and this kind of thing where I feel like, you know, life's almost too short to be to be reading some of this really kind of nasty, vitriolic ill-informed guff um so you yeah. know I'm, i've got no problem i used to think sort of by blocking people they'd almost win because they've they forced you into that action but i think now it's just a case of there's so much on my timeline if i if i see someone I'm, and they're saying don't get me wrong not if, if they're disagreeing with something i've written or in their opinion and like you know the source of being civil about it that's absolutely fine you know it's that, there's no problem with that whatsoever um that that's part of that's part of what you know football discourse should be about is is disagreements and 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 debate. But you know if, if I see someone and and the sort of being nasty or you know that kind of thing, I just I I, I just block them now. It's just it's just an easier way an easier way of doing it. Um, I think the main thing is to not engage with these kinds of people that that are clearly there solely to to wind you up. Welcome back. You're still listening to Man Marken. You've still got me as well as Ryan and Ant in the old virtual studio. Uh, just listen to to Christian Walsh's interview there. One thing that I, I mentioned to both of you, and we, we, we briefly discussed it beforehand in the opening question, was hearing someone with, uh, with quite a broad Scouse accent talking about going to to Oxford and Cambridge, and that's something you hear every day. I thought it was quite refreshing to hear. You didn't, you didn't seem quite as enamoured with the, uh, with the, uh, with the thought as as I did, Ant. No, it, only because I, I didn't know how rare it was. I wanted, some, I wanted some facts and figures on it, so that's the only reason I questioned it. I just read it and I was like. Okay, <laughs> as as no one scouts ever gone, but I'm pretty sure well, they have. Well, I'm sure they have done, but I don't ever remember hearing anybody talk about it before. So I just thought it, I thought it was quite refreshing to hear, personally speaking. But um, must just be alone in that. The biggest topic of um, probably of Christian's Christian interview amongst a number of different things that he talked about was 
his sort of journey with 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 weight loss and and losing quite a significant amount of weight, um, which was to a lot of it probably was to help with self esteem, which we, we've we've spoken about in the past, and he did a lot of it through through running was kind of his his motivating uh, motivating factor, which sort of pushed him on. And I know uh, and talked about it in the past. You're a you're a, you're a, you're a keen runner, I would say. You're probably the keenest runner out of the three of us. Um, and I know you use it as a as a tool for your your own mental well being, so to speak, as well as uh, physical well being. So I suppose referring to you, listening back to that interview, was it was a lot of the stuff that Christian talked about that kind of resonate with you as well. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's um, I mean, running's just that that thing for me, and I think I think for a lot of people where you can only focus on running and not falling over and and, and the like. You can only focus on what you're doing at that time. And then you get in. There is a period where I found, and I think the longer you do it for, you get into this like little state in your mind where you just kind of focused and just I'm, I'm going well here and I'm doing all right and I'm and I think if you use it as a, I mean personally from my point of view, I think if you use it as a as a tool of oh, I'm going to go running to lose weight, is is difficult for me. But if you go running to, you know get a bit of like exercise and feel good and just take your mind off things like de-stress that yeah. works for me that works for me more so if i treat it like that it's it's a lot better and the weight um, loss is just a, a positive byproduct of that absolutely isn't it? yeah and i think um you know i think it's a thing that exercise is this thing that's framed in such a it can be framed in a couple of ways so i think there is a shift towards that you know feel good stuff now like mentally and and you know, with the situation everyone's in, they're at home, they can't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um it, it's it's difficult to go, oh, do it to lose weight and look like this, you know, <laughs> amazing model with that, like a washboard <laughs> stomach and stuff like that. Like that's really difficult. Um, and I think that's framed more for like women. So like women are, women really struggle with with you know diets and, and stuff like that. There's oh, there's in, an enormous amount of pressure you know, put on th- put yeah. on women by to to look a certain way or be Absolutely, a certain way, it's, it's, it's I'm hoping I'm hoping there'll be a, a more of a, a switch towards let's just feel good and do something for yeah for half an hour every other day or something like that. So and it, so I I think it's running an exercise. It's, I'm hoping it it takes that change. But for for Christian, I, I remember like I said, I remember reading reading his um his sponsorship uh, story. I just thought it was amazing, really. I thought it was just a great idea to to do. Yeah. I'd never at that time I'd never entertained it. And I never really entertained running until I think me and my mates in work entered a ten K in April uh, of like twenty nineteen. Um what a great year that was. Halcyon <laughs> <laughs> days. Halcyon yeah. days. And and we went we I basically didn't do anything and then I, I kind of went through a period where I you know, was quite depressed in the summer and then the running I was like well I've got to do it let's try it and I just really liked it and I'm not saying I'm you know Mo Farah or anything and I think that's what people you know jump to it's like oh you've got to be good at it yeah. you don't have to be good at it at all you just need to do it and as long as you're doing it you, you're going to be getting some benefit from it and you'll yeah. see like little little tiny increases each time you go for a run it gets easier it literally might, every time yeah. doesn't it yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, it's like turning a screw. You know, it's quite difficult to first, and and you know it gets a little bit easier and easier. So, it's um yeah, no, I just thought it was really good, and I think the way you went about it is 
is superb. Yeah, and he gave himself. I mean, Christian's clearly someone who's very, you know, he's he, he seems very ambitious and driven, and you know, he puts his mind to something. He wants to to do well at it, and that motivates them obviously with the running and the and the weight loss. But I think, as you say, I, it, it's funny really. You talk about that kind of the, the the way people may think about exercise and approach exercise may have changed slightly during the pandemic because it's 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 been the only outlet for a lot of people who maybe would have done other things instead. But I was um. I was reading something in the in 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 work the other day, and it was a it was a poster. I think it's some it'd be some kind of some kind of campaign that's being run by the the NHS at the moment. But it it, it was about doing ten minutes of some kind of activity, some kind of exercise every day to improve your sleep, because it, it even just doing ten minutes will help you sleep better. And we know how much sleep is is linked into to your mental health and and and, and you know your sort of daily well being. So I think it's it's. It's so important, and I certainly listening back to it. I mean, over the the lockdown period, I've put on a a few, a few pounds, so to speak, uh, and then sort of at the back end of last year, I was like, right, let's have a little go with this because I think generally I'm not really that bothered about being a little bit fat. It kind of I've kind of always been a little bit fat, so it's never really bothered me too much. But then when you start getting to the point where I'd bought extra large t-shirts and they weren't fitting that well. And I was thinking I need to probably do something about this. And it does yeah. start to, to have a little bit of an impact on the way that you see yourself and you think, God, oh, this is, I need to sort this out. So I think that like I use running as like, uh, if I want to start like eating better, then I'll just go for a run for if I start going for a run. Cause then I'll be like, I've just taken my ass out outside in the cold and run around for a, for a few miles. I'm not now going to stuff my face with biscuits because what was the point in going outside? Mm. That's kind of the way that I go about it. And it only takes a little bit, as you say, to start sort of motivating you and, and pushing you along. You're, um, you're quite a big advocate of uh, exercise and, and physical health linking to your mental health, aren't you, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you both covered it quite well before. I think... If you get your mindset right at the start, don't make it too goal-orientated at the start. Just do it because it's it's actually good for you. Then that's a positive. And I think running this lockdown or the past three lockdowns has become a little bit more inclusive as well because people have come up with initiatives, which I think is good. It could be I've seen couch to 5Ks. Uh, some people do the walking one, which I think is 10,000 steps in a day. A lot of people have raised money for charity. So it doesn't have to be elitist. It doesn't have to be, uh, I will go for a run with you, but you, you do a, you do it in seven minute miles. I can't do that. People go at their own pace and still do it as groups. Um, a lot of um, our, our, our friends obviously do that. That we um, I've been around the park when Ant was doing a 10K. I was only doing a five, but then at the end you meet for a little chat and, I think people have fell back in love with it a little bit these past nine months, which has been one of the positives of COVID. So what I'd say to anybody is don't don't go, I've been, I've been on three runs this week and I'm the same weight, it's not working. Just do it because it's good for you mentally. And as you both touched on, the byproduct will be weight loss or feeling fitter or it might be that you're quitting smoking and you just want to improve overall health. It could be a number of things, but... Do it in a way that suits you. Start with walking. You don't have to be able to be the fastest person alive when you when you start and, and, and build up to it. And you'll find there's normally a switch after two, three weeks where it goes from being a chore to becoming, you almost become addicted to it, to be honest. That that feeling of, of getting up or going after work. And as you say, you'll sleep better. You'll you'll probably be like less snappy in certain scenarios. And stuff yeah, like you were bent off some, some, some energy as well, weren't you? Yeah, when um, when we went on that run 
few weeks ago. Um, I think we're doing a. It was when you both were doing uh, November, and I wasn't going to go. Um, I had a bad night's sleep. I had stuff on, and someone just said something in the group text like, "Oh, no, you won't come or something." And I sort of just flipped, and I just ran out the house and went. It was quite early and it was cold, and the second it was done, it just set me up for the day. Like it really does set you up for the day. It gets the whole day going. You feel like you've achieved something. So. If you're not into running or you're not confident going going running, you don't need all the gear, you don't need all these things. Just start lightly and, and build your way up and try and fall in love with it is what I'd say. Yeah, 100%. And one other thing that, that, that I kind of thought listening to, to Christian talk was about his job that he does at the moment um, at Reach and, and was probably the same when he was at the Echo as well. Um, is kind of dictated by what's going on in the football world. So he may have finished work for the day and then all of a sudden he was talking about Liverpool signing Fabinho wasn't he and he was like oh, now we're back in again and starting again and and and, and it almost is difficult to, to have like a structure around what he does and that's that's been removed I think for a lot of people over the pandemic is removing that structure and we talked about that being a really really important thing I suppose for someone like Christian it might be the environment that he enjoys and but I guess for a lot of people probably listening to that thinking how do you kind of maintain that positivity and maintain that mental well-being without having that structure and I guess the thing I was kind of thinking about was even if your life at the moment as it is for a lot of people is difficult to find some structure within is to provide those little pieces of structure for yourself and it might even be like as Ryan said there getting up in the morning even if you you know you don't have to get up at the crack of dawn even if you were getting up early doors just go for a little run and it just kind of sets your day up then and then you can sort of look at putting a bit of structure in place and we, we, we know for, from from these conversations that we've had and from a lot of things that you read about that structure is really good for for your mental health and for um, things like self-esteem and anxiety and stuff. Having that structure in place is, is really good for people. Lads, have you... Stuff, um, sorry, sorry, go on, Ant. Go on, mate. I was just going to say, like, you know, like structure, even like getting a shower. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think <laughs> at, oh, the moment, at the moment, it's it's one of them where you, you can get up, roll roll out of bed. I think I saw a tweet which I actually laughed at, and it was like, uh, um, it was after Christmas because we'd just gone into the, the lockdown, and it was like, oh, it's great that I get to go and work at the same place you had my Christmas dinner. And I was like, <laughs> that's funny because it's quite, like, dark and, and stuff, but I was like, it is a little bit, like, Monoton, monotonous and, and, and stuff so if you can do anything you know it's so easy to walk downstairs not have a shower not have a shower all day yeah and be like but if you can get in get it up get washed you know get yourself sorted yeah brush your hair and that and you might find that it, it does give you that little bit of structure to the day and, and, and gives stuff. you a little boost as well i suppose as yeah. well the thing i always find when i've not had a wash and not brush my teeth or not got changes i kind of feel like oh, i'm just laying around here even yeah. if i'm doing something yeah. i kind of get so you know for some people i mean i mean soph my partner she she's she's in all day doing doing college work she'll just literally get out of bed and just start working and it doesn't really bother it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I'd be like, oh, I just couldn't do that. It'd just play on my mind. I can't start my day. I've had a shower before this, although I'm in a dressing room. I can't start my day without one. Just... That was a little tease like for the listeners, that, wasn't it, Ryan, in a dressing gown? <laughs> well, it was. Nothing on now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also, you know, I know we, we've got a mate, Barry, who, who does them. And he does a lot of park runs, and we've we've taken taken the mick out of him because that's all he goes on about. Um, but they are really good; they are really quite positive. It's any 
age range and it's any size, it's any shape, you know, any speed. It, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And you get, you know, support from everyone is is amazing. I think not a lot of people will go for a run and get clapped and you know get told go ahead, keep going, and you know, all these encouraging words. And it's it's really good. It's free, and obviously they're not on at the moment. But when they are back, it's something that I think people will probably flock to. Really, to be honest, because it's yeah. it's such a nice environment. It's um, a lovely. It's it's a really lovely thing, isn't it? Yeah. A few times with with you guys and, and with Barry as well, and with the first time I went, I was I was kind of taken aback by how positive an environment it was. It was just a nice thing to be involved in, mm. even if like. You just want to walk around or you have to stop for a few a few times. Nobody's bothered at all. Mm. And like if you wanna if you wanna get a time, you can get a time and then try and improve on it. And that's quite good fun as well. But if you just want to turn up and go and get involved, then you can also do that. Like it's great. There was a there was a point where I I think it was the first few that I did. There was a I think she must have been in the age range of like sixty to seventy, this woman. She was dressed in purple, had purple hair and was just running past me like she was like 20 <laughs> like she was 21 and i was looking and i was going there's something something going wrong here it's like i might need to uh, keep coming back so just see just see just see answer the next week with purple hair and purple clothes on <laughs> this is how you do it isn't it this is how you get faster it's amazing Based on what you uh, said before though dan as well um like you've subconsciously well actually quite consciously start eating healthy when you've been on a run i think encouraging good habits if you're trying to improve your mental health is, is a massive positive thing because they snowball in the same way we talk about when you're feeling low, they snowball in a negative manner. Maybe you start to work an hour later every day. Maybe your relationships are breaking down. You're not sleeping well. Let's look at it from another point of view is if you are taking yourself out for a run, you are starting that day with that early morning shower. You are then eating healthy off the back of it. You're coming into your home a bit happier, a uh, mm. bit more joyful. Your partner's noticing you're a bit more happy. You're working better. You're sleeping better. All of a sudden, you may have gone for a run for one reason and it's helped another. And I think that's what we would try to encourage for anybody who's listening who does feel a little bit low that maybe it's something you've never tried. And it doesn't have to be running. It, no, it could, could be, be anything. It could be skipping. It could be <laughs> anything you want to do. But the point being is it could improve something that you've never really... The attention doesn't have to be weight loss. It, it, it is over. You could be listening to this, feeling low and be eight stone. It doesn't matter your size particularly. Um, the, the fact that the, what is the byproduct of it, and it, I think it is feeling better. And it's, I think now there's enough science out there to prove that while you do a lot of exercise to improve physically, there's so many links to improving well-being, uh, yeah. mental health, and don't have to think you're doing it for one reason or because you want to enter the Olympics. Just do it and see how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, for some people, it might not, it might not be for them. But I think it's just that that idea of trying something a little bit different or trying something new and, and seeing how it makes you feel. And and it and it is difficult to, to get that motivation to go and do it, particularly if you're feeling low, and particularly at the moment when you know, as 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 we've mentioned, that it is a difficult time out there and and, and for a lot of people. But just trying something a little bit different and trying to do something to either break your day up or start your day or finish your day on a on a positive and that can help with a, a number of different things i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna wrap us up there chaps uh, and ryan thank you very much for your time as per usual yeah thank you 
And thank you to the listeners for listening. Uh, as we mentioned on the last episode with with Rick, with Rick Edwards, we were hoping that if you have enjoyed any of our episodes, either this one or any of the ones that we've had in the past, if you could jump onto Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review and give us a little little comment there saying, what a podcast, what a group of lads, get involved. You can uh, you can you can copy and paste that from the last one that's done, um, but at least mix them up with a few of your own because otherwise it will look weird. Right, chaps, I think we're all ready to wrap up and hand over to to Christian's quick fire, which is quite Liverpool heavy, but we'll get there. We'll forgive him for 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 his for his many Liverpool memories, his many Liverpool uh, affectations. Is that the right word? I have no idea. But before everyone leaves and then goes to listen to Christian's. Uh, in a quick fire, uh, get involved and, and give us a give us a shout on, on what you found from that interview, and we can have a little discussion. You can slide in the DMs on the on the on the Twitter, or you can send us an email as well, uh, like we mentioned earlier in the show. It'd be great to hear some stories from from all of you. Absolutely, the email is a uh, manmarkingpodcast at gmail.com and the Twitter is at marking underscore man. And if you're getting involved on Twitter, don't forget to use the hashtag Where's the Talking Lads. We'll be back on Monday uh, with the next interview, which is with Vithushin Nahantharaja from the Football Ramble. So we'll see you on Monday. We're going to leave you with Christian's quick fire. Uh, if you had to be an Everton fan or a United fan, which one would you choose? <laughs> uh... oh. United. Oh, 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 oh. Wow, sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm gonna get absolutely slaughtered if people hear that. No. <laughs> just gonna play it on a week. Uh, <laughs> just gonna play it with you just going United, United. <laughs> about, about that not getting abuse on social media stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um you've you would have had so many being a Liverpool fan, but what's your most memorable moment as a football fan? Emotional moments. You know what? I'll probably go Barcelona. Yeah, I think I'll go Barcelona. I, I, Barcelona, I think. Yeah, definitely. The um, I think the noise when Wayne Alden scores the the first second, the third goal. I just think I, I can I can still picture it now. You know, I can picture a lot like from Liverpool's um, history, but I think that's that's the that's the one where I still get goosebumps thinking about that. Okay, if you could pick one player from world football and we'll exclude Messi and Ronaldo in this to play in Liverpool's team, who would it be? Uh, Probably Kylian Mbappe. I have no idea where he's fitting in. Um, I don't don't know where he's he's playing in that from three, but he's he's 21, so I'm sure he can come off the bench and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Milner second That's got to be the most Liverpool fan answer I've ever heard. I mean, like, Killian and Mbappe can come off the bench. <laughs> he, he can learn. He's young. He can learn. Have his time on the bench. Um, favorite football ground outside of Anfield? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, I really, I, I love. I'll throw this in because of of the away day that comes around with it as well. I love Villa Park as a as a proper yeah. old school throwback. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's it's modern enough. It's got the the, the screen and all that, but um, I, I just really, it? It is, you know, it really, really is. It's like it's you know, it's got that. It's got like brick walls and that kind of thing, which I always think is 
is a proper sort of nod to it. Um, and it's just always a really good, you know, away day. Whether you go on the go on the train or on the coach, it's it, it's a, it's a really good one. Um, I suppose if I can have a European one as well, I'd probably go for. I mean, the being about is just ridiculous. Like it's an absolutely ridiculous stadium. To be fair, um, and and the, you know, and the Metropolitano is you know I've been twice now with the final and, and the one nil, um, in February and you know bloody hell, I can't. They've got two absolutely incredible stadiums, Madrid. That's that, that's a, an amazing place. Thought you might go for the the new camp with the United allegiances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ninety nine. <laughs> did you did you go to Bayern? I did, yeah, I did. What I was like? It looks incredible from the outside. I wasn't that impressed. This is this. Oh, is, really? I was re- Do you know what? It's miles outside the city, which I think has an impact. Um, it was real fast to get to, and it's just kind of, it's in the middle of nowhere, which always sort of marks it down for me. I feel like there needs to be some sort of connection, um, which goes against what I said about the Metropolitano. Because, but at least with with with, with the one there. It's sort of around like a, a bit of a, a, an outer city district. Um, you know, there's bars and and shops and that kind of thing. I'm dying to I say, think... so you can have a wander around. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pathetic when you that right. <laughs> Kristen, if you could have been at one game from history that you weren't at, what would it be? Probably that's a that's a really good question. Um modern day the game I most missed out on was when Liverpool won at City in the quarters of the Champions League. Um I was working it um in the office and I couldn't go. Um so that's the modern day. I think if we're gonna talk about any other time, I'd probably say Rome 77 against Gladbach to see the first time they won the European Cup. I think that would have been pretty good. I'd say Rome 84, but it sounded like it was just like three days of just absolutely fighting. So that's not me. Uh, I'd take the, the much nicer um, 3-1 against Munchen Gladbach and, and, and Rome in 77. <laughs> 